as an agency owner, you have opportunities that employees don't. You can actually create that if you work through things in a systematic way. You're listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. You may have subscribed to us before as the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Don't worry, all we've done is change the name. Everything else you loved about the show is still here. So let's jump into the episode. Welcome again to the Authority Builder Podcast. Welcome to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. And let me tell you, we got a phenomenal interview for you today. This is another in our uh, marketing agency owner series. And we are talking to an absolute expert at growing agencies. Um, and if you don't have a marketing agency and you've tuned into that, that's okay, because I guarantee you, you're going to hear something that's going to help you. Uh, but today I'm talking with Carl Sakis. And Carl is an absolute expert at taking agency owners to an entirely another level of performance. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about his latest book, Work Less, Earn More. Um, and uh, it's so funny that that, you know, I should show you this actually, Carl. Uh, yeah. I have a I have a yellow sticky that matches your book and it says the less I do, the more I make. Um, and so I, th I think we were supposed to talk about this. So great book. I had a chance to read it um, and just phenomenal ideas uh, in here. And I'm excited to talk about them. So welcome to the Authority Builder podcast. Be great to be here. So, Carl, before we dive into uh, the book and everything that's in it, I would love for you to just give everyone a little bit about you, your background, how you got to this stage of your career. My work focuses on helping agency owners work less and earn more while also creating professional growth opportunities for their team members. I come to this work as an agency consultant, coach, and trainer from a background in agency operations. Previously, before launching what's now Sakis and Company, I was an agency project manager, a director of client services, a director of operations. And even before that, in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s, I was a freelance web designer in high school and college back in the days of dialogue. So I've been in digital marketing for a long time and bring that agency operations background to the work with agencies that I help. And I've worked directly with hundreds of agencies on every inhabited continent. That's amazing. And so you, you've been doing this clearly for, for a long time. You've seen every stage of, of agency growth. And I think that's one of the reasons that the, the book is so good. You know, as I was reading through it, I, you know, you, you've hit kind of all of the, the roadblocks and the milestones that, that people run into trying to grow, uh, you know, to grow a marketing agency. So, you know, what are, what are some of the, the different milestones or the different play, you know, I guess inflection points in that yeah. growth path that you think are important? Well, we could think of four stages of day-to-day -day involvement for agency owners. And, you know, for people who are listening, if you're not an owner, think about how you could help the owner or owners of your agency through this, because that helps make you more valuable. So ultimately, think of it as four stages, and the visual would be the idea of a fuel gauge or a, a gas gauge on a car, you know, going from empty all the way up to full. So stage one is what I would call mandatory. At the beginning of starting your agency, you are mandatory. You cannot get away at all. Nothing happens if you're not doing it. And you know, in that case, you couldn't go out to lunch without something blowing up along the way. The goal is to then get to stage two, what I would call necessary. Things are better. You've got your team helping. They're getting things done. 
they aren't always getting it done correctly, but you know, you can get away for a bit. Now, most people want to go from stage two. So you've gone from one mandatory to two necessary. A lot of people want to get from two to stage three, which I call needed. When you are needed, not necessary, life is pretty good. You can go on vacation. Your team's making good decisions without you. You likely aren't dealing with every single thing that comes up with your clients, with your team and things like that. You've got support. And some people choose to stay there in stage three, needed, and that's totally fine. If, however, you want to make things even better, you can pursue going from stage three to stage four, which I call optional. And when you are optional, you are just that. If you lean toward, say, selling your agency, what I would call an exit-oriented agency, you can sell your agency because you're now optional. You are not critical. And you can probably negotiate a fairly good deal with the acquirer because you can leave and you don't have to stay around forever. Or if you lean more toward running a lifestyle agency, if you're optional, that is also great because now you only do the things you want to do rather than what you have to do. And you can be in more than one of those at once. You might be, for instance, mandatory for closing sales deals, but you might be optional for doing the initial screening. So you can be in more than one stage at once, but getting clear on the primary stage will help you figure out what to do to make things better. I love the way that you break that down. And I know people are listening to this right now going, uh-oh, I'm in stage one or stage two. I, I might be necessary, you know? How do I, how do I you know, shift that and, and get more to optional? Because there aren't very many business owners that I've ever talked to in any business, but agency owners for sure, that don't dream about getting to that, that optional stage where Yes. You know, they can kind of have the time freedom that they really want. Exactly. I, you know, and, and, and that ideal is going to look different for each person. Some people, for instance, love doing high end client strategy, but don't want to do project management or data account management. Other people don't want to do anything with clients at all. They have their team handle it. You know, so it's important to get clear on what your ideal is. And in the book, we talk through that about getting clear on it so you can work backwards agreed that everyone wants more freedom in in their business. And as an agency owner, you have opportunities that employees don't. You can actually create that if you work through things in a systematic way. Yeah, I think that's that's really the reason that most people start businesses is to get to that level of freedom. So, so how do we begin if you're working with an agency owner? Yes. And they're not at that stage yet. They're at one of the earlier stages. How do you begin to break down, you know, maybe the work that they're doing so that they can start to get it off of their plate? How do you think about that? Start by getting clear on where, you know, where you are now and where you've been, right? So where have you been? Where are you now? And where do you want to go? And that helps identify what to do next. For instance, something that I'll, I'll run into a lot when people reach out. They mentioned they want to sell their agency, or maybe they want to keep the agency but move from a CEO to a chair role. The key thing to make all of that happen is they need a number two, a second in command, who can move in to take over for them. Whether that's moving into a CEO role, could be a managing director or general manager, maybe a COO if the CEO role isn't as actively involved. It ultimately comes down to, do you have someone in that spot now? If you don't, we need to focus on making that happen. Ideally, it's someone who already works at the agency, 
a promotion from within, even if it's over a year or two, is a safer bet than hiring someone totally random from outside the business. So that idea of getting the second in command, that is a key focus if people are trying to exit. For other people, if rather than trying to strive for, you know, stage four, maybe it's how do I stop having to take every single sales call, for instance. The initial stage might be get the pre-screening over to someone else on your team, an existing team member or someone else. Maybe you need to hire a business development representative type role so that in that case, as the owner, you are taking the later stage sales calls, but you are not taking the very first point of contact where you discover that they have no money or they have no authority or there's not a need or not the time if we think about band kind of thing. So basically, where have you been? Where are you now? And where do you want to go? And then work backwards on what is the gap? And then what is the smoothest way to close that gap along the way? Yeah, I, and I, I like that approach. It's so simple. Now, in the book, you break out agency roles. Yes. And I, I really think this is, it's it's such a great way. I'm looking at page 49 for those of you who go get the book. You break out six agency roles and or six categories, I guess, as a way to begin kind of, I guess, dissecting the work that the that the owner is doing and kind of getting it to the right places. So walk us through this idea and, and how you use it and, and what the roles are. Absolutely. So as people are listening, you might want to think about which of these are you doing now? It is normal for people to be in more than one role category at once, but you tend to be happier when you narrow it down to do just one or two rather than all six. So here are the categories. And this is based on my work with hundreds of agencies all over the world. First category is account management or AM. The AM's job is to keep clients happy and usually upsell them more work. They're the voice of the client within the agency. And their exact job title might vary. It could be account manager, account director, account coordinator. It could be some client success strategist. It could be something else. But account managers keep the clients happy, sell them more work. PM or project management is about getting the work done smoothly and efficiently and profitably. They may be client facing, but their job is more about making the system run smoothly. Then the third one, third category for agency roles is SME, your subject matter expert. Depending on your agency services, those are going to be people like designers, developers, analysts, copywriters, people who are focusing on their craft all day long. The fourth role category is what I would call client strategist. They're sort of like a super SME in that they are client facing. There's a bit of account management too, but the client strategist job is to maximize the ROI of the client's budget. That is, here's the budget we've got. We've got 3,000 a month. We have $30,000 a month, whatever it is. How do we make the most of that budget? And then the rest of the team helps make that happen. The Next category is what I would call biz dev, which is really three things. It's sales, yes, but it's also marketing and partnerships, partnerships with other agencies and with software platforms and other organizations that want to, you know, would want to connect. And then the final role category is what I would call support. This is about operations around short term, making the business run smoothly and then leadership, long term vision and things like that. Note, by the way, there is no agency owner category in there because <laughs> as the owner, you get to decide what combo of roles you do. Now, for, before I, I share a bit further, Steve, any questions about 
the six roles categories? Well, not necessarily questions, but just an observation. I mean, yes. I think for most, most people are doing pieces of all or many of these. Yes. And I think one of the things that that often will really stress out an agency owner is that it's the pull between roles. It's sometimes very hard to switch gears. You know, yeah. if you're very if you're in kind of that SME role and you're trying to maybe you're, you know, producing copy or, a, you know, design or something. Yeah. Very hard to go from that to jump into a sales role or to jump into a strategy role. Absolutely. And and the good news is, you know, for as everyone's listening, think about which roles you are doing now, which are the roles you don't like doing. Those are probably the ones that you want to offload first. And offloading could go to an existing team member. It could involve hiring a freelancer, hiring a part-time or full-time employee, could be outsourcing it to another firm. For instance, if you don't like bookkeeping, there are people who do that, whether as a freelancer through a bookkeeping firm or you could work with an accounting firm that handles everything. Here's a potential order to think about, and I, I take clients through this process. It's unique to each person on what they want to do, but here's some common examples. So you've been running your agency for several years, or maybe more than several years, and you're trying to get things off your plate. The first thing I recommend getting off your plate is the SME, the subject matter expert work. Design, development, or kind of lower level strategy, copywriting, things like that. Those are things that you can relatively easily outsource to freelancers. Eventually, you'll go to full-time people over time. But you know, if you're doing the copywriting, you can find a freelance copywriter to handle that. The nice thing there is you still might be the client account manager, but you're enlisting someone else to fulfill the work. You double-check the work before it goes to the client, but you're not the one doing it yourself. The next thing after the SME work to offload as an agency owner would be to look at project management. Project management is client-facing to an extent, but much of it is happening behind the scenes. You can bring in a freelance project manager. You could hire a full-time project manager. And in that case, uh, you know they are working on getting, getting things done smoothly so that you don't have to be the one tracking down every single piece along the way. So look at delegating SME work, then project management, after that, it kind of depends on what your preferences are. Some people love being the account manager, but a lot of agency owners want to get rid of the day-to-day -day account management. That could be an option. Maybe you have an existing team member who is great with clients. That could be a good match. Or another thing to consider is delegating pieces of the operations side of support. You know, if you don't like managing day-to-day -day finances, that's an option. If you don't like dealing with all of the recruiting challenges, you could hire a freelance recruiter or eventually hire a you know someone in an HR, say generalist role or otherwise, to take care of that for you. And then after that, it, it kind of depends on your preferences. Some agency owners like doing high-end client strategy, but not day-to-day. -day. Others want to get rid of it completely. Some of it, it depends on their budget. I have a client who, you know, offloaded client strategy, but continues doing it for one client that is paying hundred thousand dollars a month. Okay, you can find a reason to do it in, in that case. Um, so, you know, after that, it's up to you. You know, to what extent about operations do you want to delegate? Uh, do you want to delegate sales completely or maybe delegate the early stage screening qualification? It's all up to you. But importantly, you have a choice 
it starts by understanding the roles and where you fit today. Yeah, I think that's that's really the key is kind of figuring out where where your strengths are, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've guided a lot of agency owners through this. And I know for people listening, they're probably thinking, well, I've thought about this for a long time, but I've not made much progress. Yeah. What are the obstacles that tend to get in the way that have to be dealt with and removed? When it comes to getting work off your plate, you know, ultimately you are delegating. And this can get stuck in several ways. One of them is rather than delegating, it's what I would call abdicating, right? You just, you're like throwing work at your team and like figure it out. And they're like, but I have some questions. And you're like, figure it out. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> that would be abdication rather than delegation. Don't yeah. do that. Your team isn't going to succeed. Uh, I worked with a client several years ago that did what his team described to me as desk side briefings. He would close the sales. <laughs> Yeah, he would walk into the rest of the office. He would see someone who seemed maybe not doing something, although often he would interrupt them. And he would basically give them a verbal data dump of the deal he just closed. Hmm. The person who was receiving this often wasn't going to be the project manager or account manager on the account. He just grabbed someone and told them about the client. He then walked away having forgotten everything he told them. That is not a good way to do it. Don't do desk side briefings. Don't do abdication. Um, I ultimately parted ways with him as a client for some other concerns, but you know. um, so you know, make sure you give people space to understand what you're asking them to do. The other challenge I find is that people often say, "Well, you know, but my I'm going to do it better than my team. They can't do it as well as I can." And that actually has two potential paths. One is that true. Is it that the team can't do it better? But the related path is, can you train them up to do it between training and coaching? Uh, one client, for instance, an example I share in the book, he said his employees would take four hours to do something that he got done in 20 minutes. We dug into it, and there were some good reasons why that was the case. It wasn't that they were lazy or, or you know what have you. They were recent graduates. They didn't have any training on it. They didn't know that it was supposed to be doable in 20 minutes. And, um, you know, ultimately he wasn't giving them the support they needed, whereas he'd been doing it for a decade. He had the process down, things like that. My advice to him was train them up so that even if they get it down to an hour a piece, that lets him as the agency owner focus on the higher level work. And he did, and they didn't get down to 20 minutes, but they definitely got a lot better. So don't advocate if you're not sure about delegating to the team, is it about you where you could, but you don't want to, or is it more about, you know, you just need to give them the support they need. If, if you don't have the team members, you will need to find them. But oftentimes people are reluctant to delegate for their own reasons rather than the team's, what I would call desire, competence, and capacity. Yeah, I, I hear that all the time. Uh, and I know you do as well, that, you know, the thing that will get an owner stuck is just the inability to let go and, and recognize that while they may do it better than anyone else, sometimes it's not required at that level of, of skill or, yes. you know, goodness, whatever, however you define, you know, quality or whatever. Sometimes there are other levels below that where your team can absolutely do it for you and do it well enough, right? And, and sometimes um, the team does it better. You know, uh, for instance, I, I waited for a long time on delegating invoicing 
and got a great team member in and she was interested in doing it. So I asked her to take it on. Initially had her, you know, drafted and then I reviewed it. She sent it and she was doing a better job at it and was also getting them sent faster than my doing it. So ultimately all in, she is better at it than I am. Mm -hmm. Like I should have delegated it way, way sooner, but it helped to have the right person in the role to help out. So keep in mind that delegation, you know, maybe it's worse. It could also be better. Either way, if you want to work less and earn more, you're going to have to give up some of the things you're doing now. Yeah. And I I think that's something that really often there's a, a certain point early in an agency. Yes. Where there's like a mindset shift. Something has to click differently. And yeah. I don't, I, you probably know um, what maybe is behind it. Um, I, I've often wondered, is it fear? Is it, is it just that they're afraid if they let go that the, the whole thing is going to spin apart? I, I don't know what often that is. And it's probably different for different people, but there's often this block I see with owners and sometimes they just stay stuck for a career. And it's, it, it's uh, it's sometimes sad to watch because yeah. there's so much potential, you know? Exactly. And and the I think the thing that makes it especially difficult is for the agency owners I work with who are owners of independent agencies, right? There's generally not some sort of holding company or outside investor. If you are the owner of an independent agency, the agency is likely your number one or number two financial asset. Mm-hmm. What else is going to produce six figures in annual salary income, more than that if you include distributions and could potentially sell for a multi-million dollar payday. Probably nothing else. Right. Make the most of it. And and you know, thinking about mindset, I, you know, I, I see um, you know, Steve in the background, you've got the winning retirement playbook. I sometimes mm-hmm. see people who maybe want to retire, but they're they're sort of pushing it off. And it's sort of this idea of they don't know what they're going to do next. It, if someone is kind of pushing off, well, I don't know, what would I do? It's about finding a sense of purpose that isn't directly related to running their agency. And, you know, easier said than done, right? If you're a business owner, small business, it's hard to separate it, but it'll be hard to move on without figuring that out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, as an agency owner begins to identify the role that um, and I love the graphic that you've got in the book that explains this, by the way, yeah. as they sort of focus in on this is the the role or the one or two roles that that they're, you know, they're most kind of uh, drawn to and maybe best at. And they begin to build the team around them. You know, what are what are some of the key things that as they're moving into the I guess I want to focus a little bit on that that needed role or that yeah. needed stage, sure. because you know, they're transitioning in there. They're probably freeing up from some of these roles, right? you know, and optional in, in a number of them. Do you see anything, anything that, that uh, applies more or less across the board at this stage that, that somebody listening might want to think about or focus on to get into that needed stage? If you are still serving as a client's account manager, it will be very difficult to get to three stage three needed and impossible to get to stage four optional. Why? Because clients want and need attention. As an agency project manager, or the title was PM, but I was also serving as an account manager, I had a client based in the Boston area who loved talking to us 
and in particular to a strategist. So part of the agency. So part of my job was to insulate her from him so she could do her job and not constantly get questions from him. And he was the kind of person where, say, if I was in a meeting, I was in, you know, a conference room, I would hear my phone ring. And then he would start calling all of the extensions in the office because he wanted to talk to someone. <laughs> yeah. If you're on the receiving end of that, it is hard to unplug from work. You know, uh, one benchmark, if, if you've made yourself needed, stage three, is that you could go on vacation for one or even two weeks without getting interrupted by work. If a client expects you to be that responsive, it's going to be hard to set boundaries. Which does mean, you know, as people are listening, thinking, well, okay, I'm still the account manager for one of our legacy accounts. That legacy account may never want to give up having you as the contact, right? Because they're used to talking to you uh, kind of thing. But here's an angle to consider. Reposition yourself as the client strategist on their account rather than being the day-to-day account manager. This requires having someone else being their day-to-day contact. But you can frame it to the client as this is the best way for me to help you and for you to be able to get through to me. The idea is the account manager is there to take the the random inquiries kind of thing. And then they pull you in as the strategist when needed. So not every client is going to accept that. But if you frame it as this is the best way for them to keep getting your help, that's an approach. One related angle is if they're a retainer client, when it's time for their renewal, you may say, for instance, hey, we're shifting some things around. You know, so-and-so will be your new contact. Ideally, this is someone they've met before, not meeting for the first time. I'm moving over to client strategist. Now, if they say, oh, no, no, we still need you, it's like, depends on how far you want to push, you know, around whether to fire them or not. One option also is to say, you know, we have two options. If you'd like me to say as client strategist and account manager, the new price is this much, uh, or, or, you know, if you want so-and-so as the account manager, it's a smaller increase. And if they want you for both, then it's a bigger increase. And now they need to decide, are you worth that much more? Mm-hmm. And even if they say, yes, you are, you're at least getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it, it occurred to me as you're describing that, I've actually been through that transition as, right. as the junior. Yeah. And I'll tell you the way that uh, the founder of the company at the time handled it is uh, with our biggest, he was trying to transition the biggest client in the firm to yeah. me. It took us about six or eight months. He made sure that anytime they called, he didn't have the answer that I had the answer. Nice. E- even if I'm guessing sometimes he would feed you the answer. And- sometimes he would feed me the answer. Yes. <laughs> but I always had the answer. So he, they'd call him. He'd say, I don't know. Let, let me go get Steve. He'd pull me in, put him on speakerphone. Nice. And it took about six months and they started calling me and he was free. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Yeah. So there's all, all kinds of ways to get there. And, you know, the, the, the point is that if you're really going to get this, you know, goal of, of being able to be free of the business, you know, to, to live out the, you know, work less, earn more, like the title says, you've got to start giving up some of these things. You've got to go through the messy transition of getting some of the work off to other people and, you know, and, and getting the clients used to that. And uh, the truth is, you know, more, more often than not, the clients will accept it and the team will do a great job. Exactly. And and you can kind of do a, a ramp up plan 
where, you know, you don't have them suddenly take over everything, have them take over a portion of it. Like my delegating one invoice. Okay, great. That went well. Let's do more. We actually ramped up on that faster than I originally planned because the person doing it was doing a great job, mm-hmm. you know? So if someone else was thinking, well, okay, I realize uh, maybe it's like, I'm ready to give up some of the work that I'm doing, but I, I would need to hire someone and I can't afford to hire someone right now. That's a tough spot. It is potentially a sign that you may be undercharging for your services. And, you know, there's a whole process that I take people through about raising prices. It's a systematic thing. But when it comes to mindset, if you've been undercharging or you feel like you can't charge more, I have a book recommendation, which is the book Overcoming Under-Earning by Barbara Mm -hmm. Stanny. Basically, it's about improving, you know, charging what you're worth, whether you're an employee or a business owner, setting prices for your business. Um, you know, I recommended that to a client and she raised her salary like 30% overnight, realizing she paying herself. Other clients have applied it to feel more confident about raising their prices. And, you know, when my own coach recommended that to me several years ago, I, I was like, you know what? I should give myself a raise with, within the business that I hadn't planned on. It was like, it makes sense. It makes sense. So. Overcoming Under Earning by Barbara Stanny. Good option. I love that. Great. Yeah, great recommendation. Uh, Carl, where can people find your book? Um, because I, I really think for agency owners who are looking to you know, grow through these stages and whether they want to get all the way to optional or they want to get to needed and yeah. um, you know, wh- whatever the goal is, it's going to improve the business. It's going to make it more stable. It's going to make your life better. Yes. Where do they find the book? You can go to worklessearnmorebook.com. And when you do, the book is available on Amazon worldwide in Kindle, paperback, and and hardcover. And when you go to worklessearnmorebook.com, it'll link you to the relevant country site for Amazon, as well as the option to download a free chapter. If you want a free sample, free preview, you can sign up for that there. And also, if you get the book, I strongly recommend, I've created a free companion workbook to help you apply what you're learning. It is 40 plus pages tied to all of the exercises in the book and and beyond to help you start applying it. Because, you know, from an operations background, it's not just what is the ideal direction to go in, how do we help people get there? So if you go to worklesserandmorebook.com, you can get the purchase link, you can get the free chapter, and you can also get the companion workbook free of charge, 40 plus pages to help make it all happen. I love it. I love it. We'll link that in the show notes. And uh, Carl, this has been great. And I, I really do recommend people get the book um, because you you lay out sort of step by step how to go through this process, how to think about it. It's very clear. It's very easy to follow. And I think it'll help a lot of people. In fact, what I love about this is you've left places in the book for those watching on the video, you can see I'm holding it up. Um, But where you're, you know, you're actually getting the reader to do some of the work while they're reading. Uh, So that, you know, it's not just something that you read and set aside, but you're, you're going to make real progress by getting the book. And then you need to go look, uh, look up Carl and, and, uh, and work with him to get you all the way through the process. So Carl, thank you so much for being here, sharing your wisdom with the audience. This has been fantastic. Thank you, Steve. And good luck, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. 
Number one, get a copy of The Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, work with me and my team to get your book done and bring in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.